Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Hey, how you doing? Nick James here. Welcome to episode number five of Open and Real Q&A with Nick J. Jav, let's kick it off. What questions you got? So the first one is from Amanda Daniels-Allen. Her question is, what creates a great group program? What creates a great group program? First of all, Amanda, I think you've got to identify whether or not a group program is appropriate at the stage that you're currently at in business. So I would not recommend if somebody's just starting out as a coach, consultant, um, uh, mentor, something like that, um, therapist, I wouldn't recommend a group program if someone's just starting out. I'd always recommend offering one-on-one services um, where you're coaching, mentoring, consulting with people privately a, because it's easier to sell, B, because it's easier to deliver, um, and C, because it creates proof of concept and actually teaches you what the group program should look like and should include. So I'd always do that first, assuming that you've done that, um, what a great group program looks like, um, I guess is, well, first of all, it should be... Um, it should be time-bound. So a great group program, in my mind, would be three months, six months, 12 months, something like that. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, I believe that the quality or the standard of a group program is only as high as the people that are in it. And this is why, um, and Amanda, you know this because you're in one of our one of our masterminds, this is why we have different mastermind programs for different size of business. So we've got 100K mastermind, which is for businesses that are not yet making 100,000 a year in revenue. Then we've got six-figure mastermind for those that are already at six figures. And we've got seven-figure mastermind for those who are moving towards or already at seven figures. And the reason for that is because I wanna make sure that the group program has got people at an appropriate, relevant level in business to one another. Same thing, um, the gym that I train at. So um, there is a class on a Monday evening that I'm in, which um, in order to be in the class, and this might sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet a little bit, um, but in order to be in the class in the first place, you've got to have your fitness at a certain level. Um, I actually know somebody who wanted to join that class um, and the guy that runs the gym, Daz, shout out, Daz Forder, Forder's Gym Birmingham, amazing. I actually said, he went, look, um, you're not ready yet. You can't join the pro, you can't join this class until you've reached at least a base level of fitness. Because if that guy had joined that class at the time, A, um, he would have really struggled and felt really bad about himself. And B, probably would have pulled the rest of the group back. So I believe it's the same whether you're doing business stuff or health and wellness or whatever it is, the quality of a group program is only as good as the people in it. And so I actually like, Amanda, to add to the question, I actually like group programs where there are qualifying criteria. Um, and actually that in itself becomes a, a unique selling point of a group program is if you can only join 
if you're already at this level of business or investing or health and fitness or whatever the thing is that you're working with, um, then I think, you know, it, it actually makes it a more desirable program, a more desirable service to purchase in the first place. Um, I guess the, the alternative view to that would be, let's say for argument's sake, you're a hypnotherapist and you're, you, you've been doing one-on-one -on -one therapy with people, smoking therapy, let's say, um, and now you want to do it in groups. Obviously, there isn't really a entry criteria. You're either a smoker or you aren't. I suppose you could do a program for people that have been smoking more than a certain period of time, but I don't think that's necessary. Um, I think in that case, you could just do a, a kind of one-size-fits-all group program. But I really feel that the the positives of a group program are the environment, the peer group, the um, implied accountability of having a, a group that you're part of. Um, I very rarely miss one of these sessions at my gym because I know that if I do, the rest of the group are going to be, where on earth were you? What's your excuse? You're slacking off. So there's a bit of implied accountability by being in part of a group program. The downside of group programs tends to be that there's less direct accountability, um, whereas in a one-to-one -one program, you know, you might have more chance for that. So um, as you know, Amanda, what we've done with our mastermind programs is they're group programs supplemented with lots of one-to-one -one support so that you kind of get the best of both worlds. Nice. Right. So Claire Morton, yes, a regular, wants to know what do you love most about your business and your role? In fairness, if you're going to say Claire Morton's a regular, you should also give credit to Amanda, yeah. who's also a regular. Um, you know, we don't want to be playing favourites here, Jack. Come on. Um, so, uh, what, what was the question? What's my fa the favourite part of my role? Uh, what do you love most about your business and your role? Yeah, um, th this is actually an easy question to answer. Um, what I love most about my business and the role that I play um, is building the team. So over the last, um, well, I mean, I think I, I made my first hire in 2010, probably. Um, and since then, you know what? I, I've got no idea how many people have actually come and gone and been part of part of our company, but it's it's well in excess of 100, I suspect. Um, well, we've got 25 now, so it's definitely well in excess of 100. Um, but the greatest joy for me is um, developing people. That's our purpose. We develop people. And um, of course, the way we do that is through running conferences and events and masterminds and coaching and, and uh, things like that. But the way that we get to do it that a lot of people don't see is developing the people internally within our team and um you know sometimes uh creating content and videos and can feel like hard work it doesn't really come naturally to me hence why we do q a format because i'm much more comfortable in this environment um sometimes you know delivering training day after day can feel hard work for me i can honestly say that that leading this team never really feels like hard work. Um, it, 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 it's the bit of the role that I love and enjoy most. It's also the bit that challenges me most um, because it can at times be very challenging. I'm always coming up against challenges, issues, 
that I've never experienced before. You know, um, right now, as I sit here today, this is the biggest team that I've led. Um, and so there are new challenges presenting themselves every day, new lessons to learn, um, new uh, problems and issues to navigate. But um, that's the bit that I enjoy because it stretches me. Um, and look, you know, I also love running our Expert Empires events and I've done that a lot before and for a long time. And so, um, yeah, uh, and we don't do it that often. It's, you know, a couple of times a year, whereas, you know, this is day in, day out, week in, week out, never stops. Um, and uh, I love finding solutions to problems um, around having a team of people. And I also love, you know what, like there are, like I said, uh, well over 100 people that have been part of my companies over the years. And actually, some of the biggest positives that I can think of are people that came, got what they needed, and equally contributed massively to our growth, and then left to pursue the next stage of their career life. A lot of them started their own businesses that are now really successful. And I go, that is, that's really cool to me. And I was fortunate to have that experience myself where, you know, I worked for, um, my now good friend, Andy Harrington, um, that I'm sure many of our listeners, viewers uh, will know of Andy, worked for Andy for, a, a, I think, a couple of years in sales. And, you know, um, we're still really good friends to this day. And, and we've just been messaging, actually, about getting together soon. And um, what's cool, I'm sure, for him is to be able to look back and go, well, um, how old was I? Early 20s. So we're talking like 15, 16, 17 years ago. Um, you know, Nick worked for my company and now he sees what I've gone on to do. And I'm sure that's a source of immense pride for him as it is for me when I think about the people that have been part of my journey and I've been part of theirs. So yeah, that's definitely the bit that I, that I love most. Not to say that I don't, of course, love hosting Expert Empires events and running masterminds and, and all the other bits, um, but that's the bit that currently right now, I wouldn't say it was always the case, but it's probably the bit that currently right now is most enjoyable for me great answer thanks Jeff. um you don't always say that does that mean the rest of them are crap no just trying to mix it up a bit all right um natalie potts yes she wants to know what do you give attention to detail on specifically and why are we calling natalie a regular i think she could be a regular or an irregular what are we calling her we've had at least two questions and by the way love natalie absolutely mad as a box of frogs and I love her for it. Um, she's going to hate me for saying that. Um, what was the question again? Repeat it. So it was, what do you give attention to detail on specifically and why? This is a really easy question to answer. And the reason it's easy to answer is I am not an attention to detail person, except for one thing, copy. I am obsessive when it comes to attention to detail. Jav's nodding um, because he knows, of course, he works in the marketing team and he knows that when I write a piece of copy, like I'm obsessive about it being perfect. Um, I think it's one of those things where when you're particularly good at something naturally, the standards you have for it are very high. Um, and so I've, what I've had to really work on is letting go of a lot of that need for it to be perfect so that I can empower Beth in particular, but add people in the marketing team that produce written content um, to empower them to do that. Um, what, what I had to do, this might be helpful um, if anybody's in a similar position. What I had to do was empower them to write copy in their own voice 
send and post things from themselves because I, I just could not stand it going from me because it wasn't written by me and it didn't feel um, authentic, it didn't feel real. So um, I said to Ad, this was a while ago now, probably a couple of years ago, I said, look, you, the team, can write until your heart's content, you can send stuff out, email three times a day if you want to, but it has to come from you because it's not written by me. And I was becoming a bottleneck because I was OCD and got loads of attention to detail and probably a little bit, um, a lot of a perfectionist around it. Like I wouldn't have anything sent out unless I'd written it and okayed it. And then I was becoming the bottleneck for all the marketing. Um, so essentially had to let go of a bit of control. But yeah, I'm proper OCD and got a lot of attention to detail around the writing of copy, the creation of written marketing materials. But that's probably because my whole business was based upon that one skill for the first two or three years. So that's kind of my background. And probably to this day, probably the thing that I'm still naturally most gifted, talented at. I think I've developed a lot of skills over years with lots of practice, speaking, delivering on camera, but my natural tendency is to write and I'm quite good at that. Um, so yeah. Lots of attention to detail around that. Nice. Hey, real quick. If you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to Keep, K-E-A-P, and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable, even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey. So go and get a free demo. All you need to do is go to keep.com, that's K-E-A-P, keep.com forward slash empire builders. And by using that link, I've negotiated the best possible deal for empire builders subscribers. So go to keep.com forward slash empire builders. You get a free demo. And when you go through that unique link, it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber to this podcast. So let's get back to the show. So next one is from Nick Feeney. Yes. Another regular. Another regular. He says, what is your age at your next birthday and how are you feeling about this? Nick might cease to be a regular <laughs> with questions like that. So um, he obviously knows the answer to this question or he wouldn't have asked it. So um, in December, and by the way, you might be watching this on YouTube or, or, or listening to the podcast at any point in the future, but in December, which is only a few months away, December 2022, I'm turning 40. How am I feeling about it? Um, you know what? And I think this is probably um, relevant to just how I think and how I operate. 
at the moment, it, it's in my mind, it's miles away. Um, so what are we, September, October, November? We're, we're four months. In my head, in my body, four months is an age. So it's not really bothering me. I'm not saying it's not going to bother me when it comes around. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's a bit like, um, for example, Nick, I don't get super excited about going on holiday until we're like at the airport. Um, I don't tend to think about future very much. I'm much more kind of in the moment. Equally, I, do, I don't tend to dwell on the past very much. It's like once something's done, it's done, it's been and gone. Um, so I think that can, buy, that can be a real big strength. It can also be a big weakness as well because it means that sometimes I fail to see things coming down the line because I'm really focused on the here and now. So um, yeah, it's not at the moment, it's not really bothering me as such. Um, but equally, you know, I'm not going to lie, um, I started doing what I do now, running events and, and building businesses and creating content when I was in my mid-twenties. Back then, like, I would run a seminar, a workshop, an event, and in 99% of cases, I was the youngest person in the room, and I was the person hosting the event. And that was kind of, like, cool. Um, equally, it probably caused me, if I'm being really honest, to have a little bit of imposter syndrome back then, um, which I don't have as much now. I'd be lying if I said I didn't sometimes feel a little bit out of my depth or uncomfortable. Um, but I think as I've got older, I don't have that experience of being the youngest person in the room. Um, far from it, in fact, you know, of course, a lot of our, a lot of our clients now, members of our mastermind, etc., are a lot younger than I am. I mean, in the office, I always joke about it, like, it's a bunch of kids, man. There's like, I'm nearly 40. We've got, I think we've got, off the top of my head, there's three other people I can think of that are in their 40s, early 40s, um, and everybody else is younger than me. So, and again, that wasn't the case. For years, I had a team of people and I was the youngest person in that team. So, um, how am I feeling about it? Okay at the moment, but not gonna lie, um, I'm aware of the fact that I'm getting older. Um, and you know, my, my, my kids, um, my oldest son's 13, um, and like he's closer in age to some of our team than I am, and that bothers me a bit. Um, but equally, you know, it, it does, I think having kids, especially as they get a little bit older, it does cause you to become a bit more philosophical about life. And um, I, I remember my dad saying to me, like, you know, it goes so quick and you've got to make the most of it. And I thought, shut up, you old bastard. Um, and now I'm that person. I've become my dad, basically. Um, I'd like to think a slightly improved version, but essentially I've become my dad. Um, and and I, I look at my oldest son, who's 13, Zach, and I'm like, uh, I just want him to make the most of the fact that he's... They are literally the best days of your life. I'm really sounding like an old codger now, but they really are like the best days of your life and he doesn't realise it. And I never did. And I'm sure no one does, do they, when they're at that age? And um, yeah, that was probably a bit of a, a side track. Uh, I went off, a bit off piece with the answer, but that's how I'm feeling about being 39, Nick. Yes. Not 40 yet. That's how I'm feeling about being 39 currently. Strange, because... Rob Moore was talking about your birthday last Friday on his Disruptors podcast as well. Rob Moore on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I know, I'll tell you what it was. We were talking about the fact that I'd been at Tony Robbins events since I was 12 years of age. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, and now you only look 15. I was like, mate, I, I wish that was true. 
Um, actually, you know what? Open and real. I'm bothered about the fact that I'm going grey. It bothers me. It really bothers me. Silver, not um, Well, thanks, but let's face it, it's grey. And you know what? It really bothers me. I'm, this is like therapy now. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm coming out. Um, before, before COVID, I used to dye it. Um, and then, of course, all the hairdressers shut. And I went, ah, sod it. And I wasn't seeing anybody anyway. I was just sat at home and I was like, sod it. So I just kind of like let it naturally grow out. Um, and now this is completely like the natural colour and it bothers me massively, especially when I see photos from like only three years ago. I'm like, oh man, yeah, it bothers me. I've considered dyeing it again, but I feel like it's too far gone. I'm not going to ask you for your opinion. I'll tell you what, if you're watching on YouTube, give me the opinion in the uh, comments. Equally, on a serious note, because Jav asked me to say this, if you're watching on YouTube and you want to submit questions for Open Real Q&A, as you've seen, you can ask me anything, no holds barred. Um, type them in the comments on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel as well so you get notified whenever we upload a new episode. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to submit questions for the Open and Real Q&A, then email them in to jav, J-A-V, at expertempires.com. Next question, final question? Final question. Yeah. From Toby Milden. Yes, Toby. He says, how do you set your 10, five and two year business vision? Oh, okay. Um, he's asked that in a weird order. So I would normally have asked it, how do you set your two, five, 10 year vision? But I, I understand the question, Toby. So um, I guess this is probably uh, an interesting insight. I don't have a 10 year vision for the business. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't thought about what we might do and how it might look and what I'd love to create in 10 years. But our vision, um, which uh, we have on the wall here in the office, I've actually got a, a visual that I keep on my desk at all times. Here it is. Um, the vision actually takes us up to the end of, well, the vision is infinite. The purpose, we develop people, the core values, they're infinite, they're not time bound. But the mission actually takes us up to the end of 2024, which is only two and a bit years away now. Um, so I guess to answer the question, how do I set my two, five, 10 year vision? Um, the I do it in five year blocks is what I've, over the years that I've been doing this, um, I started kind of really getting into visioning and creating, um, uh, you know, getting intentional and deliberate about creating the future plans, probably in like 2014. So since then, I've been doing these in like three, four, five year cycles, never more than that. So I don't do 10 years, personal preference. It's probably a bit like the reason why I don't freak out about turning 40, but I'm sure I will um, when it gets really close. So I don't get excited about going on holiday until I'm at the airport. Um, I, I don't think about 10 years it's so far into the future um and actually i never used to think more than like three months ahead in my business like genuinely that was my, my kind of standard the way that i operated was basic in right we'll look at the next few months and then do that and then we'll look at the next few um, and of course now you know we look at three to five years out into the future um so what i'll always do toby is i go right okay well first of all start off with the biggest bit, the purpose, we develop people. And then I go, great, what do I want that to look like in five years time? And what does it look like now? Now we've got, and Toby, I think you might know about this um, since you've been through some of our trainings. So we measure our progress based on three big, um, I guess, big data points. One is revenue. So how much revenue we're bringing in each year. 
The second one is number of tickets that we sell to our events because you know we are predominantly a live events training company or a group of companies. And then finally, number of clients that we're serving in our mastermind programs, um, you know, our higher level, longer term commitment programs. So those three data points of revenue, number of tickets, number of clients, give me um, like the, the key headline measurements of success. And then to answer the question, how I set my two and five, and in my case, just two and five or two, three, four, five year mission is um, I essentially take those three numbers and then look at what I want them to be year on year. And so at the moment, Toby, we've got those set up until the end of 2024. And I've started to give some thought to what they might look like in 25 and 26 and beyond. But I actually won't get serious about those and I won't document them and share them with the team until we're at the end of 2024. At that point, then we'll start talking about what 25, 26, 27, 28 looks like. Um, so yeah, that's the the how we do it at the moment. We, we've uh, You've got to have the purpose first, why you do what you do. Um, I do think it's worthwhile having your core values established as part of this and knowing what your two or three measurements are as being revenue, tickets, and clients. And then from those three data points, you can look at what would success look like year on year into the future. And then you can create what you might call a mission statement as is to serve, educate, and inspire uh, 600 high-level clients in 2024. And of course, that's aligned with our three numbers for 2024, which is 10 million in revenue. I believe from memory, it's 5,000 tickets sold and 600 clients. To summarize in one statement, to serve, educate, and inspire 600 high-level clients in 2024. That concludes episode five of Open and Real Q&A. As I said, if you're watching on YouTube, please give us, um, subscribe to the channel and then you'll be notified when we upload new episodes. Um, if you'd like to submit questions um, for future episodes, then type them in the comments below the video. If you're listening on the podcast, then uh, send an email to jav, J-A-V, at expertempires.com with your questions and we'll feature them in future episodes. Thanks again. Everyone who submitted questions couldn't do these episodes without you, so really appreciate you doing that. And uh, as always, remember, more you connect, more you collect. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.